to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. If there was one thing you would like more of from God, what would that be? One thing that you'd like more of from God, what would that be? Have a think about it. You don't have to tell me what it is. Because I can pretty much guarantee that whatever you've thought of, whatever you've asked for from God, that there's a process involved to get there. It's going to, a process is going to follow. So if you, for example, ask for grace, more grace in your life, to understand God's grace more, what do you think is going to happen? God's going to put people in your life who are going to teach you about grace because they're going to rub you up the wrong way and God's going to give you more grace, give you wisdom about grace in how to love them more. If you've asked for more love, the same thing. God's going to take you through a process where he's going to teach you the depth of his love for people. He's going to show you how he sees people so that you can see people the same way. So there's always a process. We can't escape process. We can't avoid it. It's what life is all about. It's a process for a child to become an adult. It's a process for, for a student to become a teacher. If you break a bone, it's a process for the bone to heal. If you want to learn a piano, there's a process involved. We can't escape process. It's how God created us. It's how God created the world. It's how things have been put in place. <clears throat> so we can procrastinate as much as we want, but the process is still going to happen. So somewhere along the line, we have to learn to enjoy the process. I remember when I had my first baby and I was pretty much overwhelmed, as I'm sure a lot of people are. And he was about three weeks old and he was a very hungry baby and he's six foot nine now, so you can understand why. And I remember being on my front porch and I remember um, my sister saying to me, Jenny, when he's about six weeks, it gets easier. And he was three weeks. And I thought then, oh my gosh, three weeks to go. I had to endure the process. It was only three weeks. I could have enjoyed that process. Some people, when they got up at night for their baby, said, oh, we have a party at night when our kids, when my baby gets up, I have a party with them. I really enjoy that whole bonding time. And I think, I don't. But I just get up and do it because I have to. But I could have enjoyed the process more. But I procrastinated because I found the process difficult. It's human nature to want to speed up the process, to get to the good parts really quickly or to take shortcuts. And that can be to our detriment because we, we don't lose the, uh, learn the valuable lessons that we need to learn on the way. And, you know, think about this because I'm sure you've done it too. Often we rescue our kids from process because we don't want to see them go through what we went through and yet we're stopping them from learning valuable lessons and they're going to have to, down the track, learn it in, a, in another way. So we may as well let them learn their lessons now so that they can grow in wisdom now so that God doesn't have to teach them something down the track that they haven't learned. But for the purpose of this message, I want to talk about two processes that we all go through as Christians. These are two processes. They intertwine with one another. They're really one and the same, but I'm going to separate it for the purpose of understanding. And one of them is pro the process of discovering our identity in God and being transformed into his likeness. And the other process is walking out our purpose and destiny in him. So there's two processes that actually go parallel with one another. So I'm just going to put them on the board for the, so that I can give you a visual because I'm someone who learns by visual. So the first process is learning to understand 
or discover our identity and also the process of transformation. So becoming more and more like God because his nature is in us. The second process that I want to talk about is the process of walking out our purpose and our destiny. So I'll just write these two down. Purpose, so why God put us here on the earth, and destiny, where God is leading us. So they go side by side. But there are people who are trying to walk out their purpose and destiny ahead of their identity and transformation. We need to establish in us who we are in God, our identity in him, who he is, find out what God's really like so we can be transformed into his likeness. Because if we don't know what he's like, how can we be transformed into his likeness? And then he teaches us and trains us and leads us into our purpose and into our destiny. But there's a lot of us who run ahead because we want to skip the process and get to the good parts. And we, we start here and we get an idea of what this is all about. We understand in our head what's all, what it's all about, but we don't get the real revelation of what, it really, of what our identity is in God. And so we move ahead and we don't have the character to sustain what God wants to use us for. And we fall flat on our face. It's like a child who needs to learn to walk. I watch my little grandson walking and it's so cute now to see him try and run. But if he tries to run before his legs are strong enough, before he has a coordination, the momentum of him trying to move his body ahead is going to make him fall flat on his face. And he does fall flat on his face sometimes. He just lays there, waits for me to pick him up. So we need to learn to walk before we can run. And I know that's such a simple, um, simple thing to say, but some of us need to hear it again and again, that we need to know our identity and we need to allow God to transform us into his likeness before we run ahead of him in our purpose and destiny. And they do go side by side. So as we walk out our purpose and our destiny, God is con confirming in us who we are, but you see, the thing is, we can do this without that. And that would be sad if we didn't reach our purpose and destiny. So we can do our identity and transformation without stepping into our purpose and destiny. But we can't step into our purpose and destiny without doing the discovering of identity and the transformation. I was one of those people who tried to run ahead in my purpose and destiny, not understanding, having a full revelation of who I was in God, of what God had placed in me, that I had his nature within me, that I had the righteousness of Christ in me. I didn't have to strive. I could have flowed with the ease of the Holy Spirit who, who was teaching me and training me. But because of where I'd come from, because of my background, there's all different reasons and it's not an excuse because when we realise what the reasons are, it's our responsibility to do something with them. But because of where I'd come from, the legalism I was under, I was striving to, to walk in my purpose and destiny. I, could, I knew I could sense the giftings that God had put in me and the talents which we all have, but I was trying to walk them out ahead of God. 
What happened, I've spoken this before in a message, but just briefly, what happened, God in his grace and in his mercy brought a prophet to our church who said to me, because I was in a role at church and I'd been busy, I'd been a Christian all my life, I'd been serving God all my life, so that's what I did and that's where I was getting my value from, that's where I was getting my identity from. It doesn't mean that what I did was of no consequence. God still used it as he does. But I was suffering on the inside because I was striving and coming to a place of, of burnout. And this prophet came to me and he said, you have to stop work and you have to stop now. And what happened to me, right there in the office with him, in front of him, my heart started racing fast. I got really panicky because my first thought was, who am I going to be if I don't do this anymore? And I said to him, if I stop now, I'm going to lose my role. I'm going to lose my position, what I'm doing. And he said, no, they won't do that to you. Well, in fact, down the track, that did happen. I did lose my role and my position because I did stop and I never went back because God closed the doors on that. But they didn't... Um, it's not that they didn't want me back. It's that God had closed the door. God did not want me to go back there. So what happened was I was in a hallway, and you can all relate to this, where doors have closed behind you and there's no doors opening around you and you're a bit lost. You don't know where you are. You feel stuck. Nothing's opening, the door's behind closed. It doesn't have to be dark in the hallway because you can still have the presence of God in the hallway, but you can still be confused and not know where to go. So I set on a journey of looking for direction. I wanted to have direction because I didn't know where to go anymore. Rather than sit and ask God, what are you doing in this time? What, who, do you want me to, who do you want to be for me in this time? Instead of doing that, I was running ahead of God. Okay, well, if I'm not, if I'm not doing the role there anymore there must be something else for me what is it so I went and started getting prayer ministry and in that time I had had counseling I had done different courses I'd done things where God was slowly getting deeper and deeper into the layers of my life and working through stuff with me but it wasn't quick enough for me so I wanted direction I even resurrected my teaching career thinking that that's the path that God wanted me to take not that that was a waste of time when I look back now because this was about 10 years ago but God still used that, the, the resurrection of my teaching career and the skills involved in that. He still used it, but that's not exactly where he wanted me to go. I started getting prayer ministry and I went to this first lady and I said, look, I've done the, the forgiveness of you know, things in the past and I've dealt with de rejection and I've dealt with um, the orphan spirit and, I, and, and everything like that. I just want direction. So she sort of looked at me and go, oh, mm, mm. So we started praying and obviously the Holy Spirit was leading her. And of course, she took me back to father issues, forgiveness of the leadership in the church that I used to be in, orphan thinking, rejection, self-acceptance. She took me through, back through all that. At the end, I thought, okay, well, it had to be another layer. So all right, thanks for that. Still no direction. So I went to someone else. And I went and got prayer counselling and I told her the same thing. You know, I've dealt with all this sort of stuff. I just want direction. So over a course of about five or six sessions, she took me through father issues, <laughs> forgiveness of past leadership, orphan thinking, rejection, self-acceptance. I learned a bit more. I thought, okay, good. That's done with. I'm dealt, I've dealt with it. I went to someone else. I want direction. I walked into that office and she said to me, what do you want to get out of this session? And I said, direction. I want direction. She had a piece of paper in front of me that she folded and she said, 
before you came, I was praying with God and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he wrote, he told me some things which I've written down. I'm going to show you at the end of the session. I said, okay. So we started praying. We went through father issues. We went through forgiveness of leadership. We went through orphan thinking. We went through rejection. We went through self-acceptance. We went through all these things again that I thought I dealt with. But she went to an even deeper level. And I thought, okay, okay. And then at the end, she showed me the piece of paper. And this is what it said. You are wanting direction, but God wants you to rest in him. You are someone who's been riding the waves, but God has you walking along the beach and you don't like it. And it's true, I didn't like it. You've said to God, this is the sad part, you've said to God, you take the high road and I'll take the low road. But God wants you to take the same road. Well, that's a novel idea, isn't it? To take the same road as God. So I suppose I was finally defeated and surrendered myself to the fact that I had to focus on the process of discovering at deeper revelations my identity in God and be more transformed into his likeness so that I could then step back in and fully embrace the walking out of my purpose and destiny. You can scream and shout, knock yourself out. You can't avoid process. You can't escape process. And God is committed to doing the process with us. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, Now all of us with our faces unveiled reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors. And so we are being transformed, this is from the Amplified Version, Amplified Version, metamorphosed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. So it's a spirit in us doing it. And when we surrender to him, the flow of that is beautiful. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And interesting, the Greek word from work, for workmanship here is a poema, which actually is the English word poem. So you could actually say, for we are his poem. And the translation, Passion puts it this way, or the Passion translation, I should say. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. So our lives are the beautiful poetry written by God that we will speak forth all the things that he desires in us yeah. and for us. <clears throat> so let's, I made sound, process sound like heavy, but let's put a positive spin on it. Process is really good. Process makes us rich in terms of our relationship with God. Process gives, develops in us wisdom. It develops love. It develops a richness of God's glory in us. And God's committed to helping us close that gap between who we are now and who he has destined us to be. And between those two places in that middle part, that's where God is. It's telling us what our future is, talking to us now, but also calling us 
into what our future is. He's doing it all at the same time. And he will complete it. We can do a process and procrastinate and possibly make it longer than it needs to be, but he will complete it. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So God transforms us, empowers us in one season of life to become the person that we need to be to handle the next season. He gives us promises of greater things to come. There's always going to be journey to undertake, but we will, we will step into the fullness of the promise that God has given us. So we have to embrace this process to go into the deeper things of God where there is wisdom, where there's faith, where there's favour, and where, we, where in obedience we step into greater authority and power. Because obedience to God brings authority and power. You know, when we were born again, and I know you know this, but sometimes we need to hear it again. When we were born again, we came into the righteousness of Christ. We, t- we got Jesus' righteousness that he took for that he, this, The death he died on the cross, he died for our sins so that we would have his righteousness in us so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus and he sees the righteousness of Jesus in us. Did you know that we are saints by nature? That's who we are. Our old nature is gone. Our new nature is that we are saints. Mark Greenwood, in his book, Saints by Nature, says, so listen carefully because this really made me have to think. When we truly discover that we are saints of God, we express incredible humility and a deep honour for humanity and the entire bride of Christ. Wow. I had to think about that. Do I have deep honour and love for humanity and the entire body of Christ? Do I have or do I express incredible humility? Because that's the nature of a saint. That's what Jesus looks like. That's what being transformed looks like. Let me say it again. When we truly discover that we are saints of God, so when we truly know what our nature is in God, that the old man is gone, dead and gone, and the new creation in us is the righteousness of God, that we are saints by nature, when we truly discover that, we express incredible humility and a deep honour for humanity and the entire bride of Christ. That's a big thing to live up to. But that is what God is calling us to. Sometimes I think we just think, well, that's just too hard. This is who I am. I know God loves me. And we just go on our journey. We get to a certain place in our identity and transformation. We get to a certain understanding. But when it becomes too hard, we don't go any deeper. It's just too hard. The the renewing of the mind, um, pulling down strongholds, pulling down lies in in our life, wrong beliefs, it gets really hard. And so we just tend to plateau and stay at a certain place. But I don't want to discourage you because Joyce Meyer always says, you may not be where you need to be, but praise God, you're not where you used to be. 
And that's true, and I really want to encourage you in that. <laughs> so let's bring some lightness here. You're doing a good job. We, we are on the road. When God is in us and if we submit to him and surrender to him, he will lead and guide us. But I, just, I, but I also want to encourage you and say, alongside that thought, is that we need to continue to be proactive in cooperating with God in the process of transformation. So we need to be thinking about it on a regular basis. See, if we are saints by nature and God is transforming us into his likeness, then there are habits and pathways of thinking that we should be changing and that we must change. And I'm just talking about this part here, our identity and transformation. You know what? When I read this, I thought, wow. We actually don't get to be grumpy because we feel like it. We actually don't. I mean, we do do it, but we actually... If we're saints by nature, we actually don't get to do that because that's not who we are. We don't get to be prickly and huffy with the checkout chick because she's being slow and she's chatting to the person about her day and what have you done and you can see you're just putting things slowly onto the thing and you're in a hurry, you've got to get somewhere. We actually don't get to be prickly and huffy and have a bad attitude towards that checkout chick. We actually don't get to be snipey to the bank teller because she's having a good old chat with the person before and you've got an appointment to get to. Maybe we should have given ourselves a bit more time to get to that, that appointment. We actually don't get to abuse the driver who cuts us off, even when there's no one in the car with us. We don't get to call them names and say things over them. That's not who we are. We're saints by nature. We don't get to think bad thoughts and abuse the coach who doesn't give your son enough court time when they're playing sport. We don't get to be defensive. We don't get to be offended when people are rude to us. We don't get to hold offence towards anyone, hold grudges. We don't get to be unforgiving towards people. And I've done all that. I used to have a Jesus sticker on my car. <laughs> you know it's a bad ending. I got really excited when I, I understood about the things of the Spirit because I came from a church that believed that the gifts of the Spirit weren't for today. So when I was in my early 30s and I got excited about the Holy Spirit, I put a Jesus sticker on my car because I wanted everyone to know that I was a Christian and I was excited. I think it took three weeks and it came off because I couldn't stand the pressure of everything. Every time I did something wrong in the traffic, I think of that Jesus sticker on my car and then people will be going, nye, 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 nye. so I took, that, I took it off pretty quick. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, so the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So our old nature has passed away. A, an example that I, I really like is that your old man wore old smelly clothes and now your old man died but the old smelly clothes are still on the floor. And every now and then, when you get up in the morning and you should be putting your new clothes on of, because who you are in God, you pick up your old clothes because they were comfortable and you just feel like wearing your old clothes today. 
And so when, you, when you're grumpy or when you, your partner or whatever is grumpy, you can say to them, well, you've got your old smelly clothes on today, haven't you? <laughs> I'm going to use that one. You know, because we use that as an excuse too. People who are familiar with us, well, they're, I'm comfortable with them, I'm just going to be grumpy because that's what I feel like today, being grumpy. You know, John goes away with a group of guys and John's the morning person. And so he's pretty happy in the morning. Because you know when people say, I'm not a morning person? I mean, we don't get to be like that. That would be like me saying at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and be grumpy, I'm not a 2 o'clock person. Or I'm not a dinner time person. We actually don't get to say that. To say that you're not a morning person is to come under a lie from the enemy that in the morning you're grumpy. But John's never grumpy in the morning anyway. He doesn't have to deal with that one. He's always happy in the morning. So when he's gone away with his motorbike friends and he gets up in the morning, probably early, 6.37, he's, good morning! He's got himself the reputation of being called too happy too early. Oh, he's too happy too early. <laughs> and, I mean, I bet you, you can, I can understand that because sometimes you just need a little bit of quiet and someone's there going like, <laughs> jumping up and down because he's excited about life. He's excited about being away for the weekend. He's excited about being with his friends. And that's a good thing. So we don't get to be like everyone else. People should see a difference in us. They should be able to see that we, aren't, that we are different, that we have Jesus in us. They should be able to see that. So, so we don't get to, to be like, we don't get to... Every morning when we get up, we have to make a choice. Are we going to be happy or angry? Are we, we going to be kind or unkind? Peaceful or frustrated? Actively fruitful or apathetic? Offended or unoffended, forgiving or un unforgiving, we have a choice to make. And as we make these choices, more and more we begin to look like Jesus. And that's what being transformed into his, his image. That's what it says. We are transformed into his image. So somewhere along the line, we have to start looking like Jesus in everything we do and in everything we say. Romans 8.14 says... The mature children of God are only those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's the person I want to be. But sometimes we just, just want to chuck a tantrum because we want to chuck a tantrum because we're frustrated. I don't know if you've seen the YouTube clip of this woman who misses her plane at the airport. All you have to do is... is um, Google woman who misses plane at the airport and it'll come up. And it's funny to watch and it's sad to watch because she's just on the floor like a two-year-old for at least five minutes, screaming, rolling around, so, so, so angry. And yet there was a part of me that thought, oh my goodness, I know what she feels like. I could, I could do that. I could, I could do that if I missed the plane. <laughs> So we need to have the control of the Holy Spirit in us because that's the point of the Holy Spirit in us is that he grows fruit in us, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. He grows that fruit in us if we surrender to the process. 
So God is training us. He's teaching us if we surrender to it. We can fight it, but he, he's there. As soon as we're ready for it, he's back on track with us again. He wants to help us grow and mature. I've had, I have had victories in my life, which is a good thing. I sound like I've had a lot of issues, and I have. But, I, but I've had a lot of victories as well. And there was a time just not long ago where something was going on in my life, and it was actually hurting me. People were hurting me. And I could have got really upset. And I probably had a right to say something, to, to do something about it. But I felt that God was saying to me, just let it go. Don't say anything negative. Don't have any negative responses. Just leave it. Just leave it. And so that's what I did. And that was really hard and hurtful. But after a while, the whole situation turned around. And that whole situation now is... Is so, there's so much joy and so much love in that whole situation. And I'm so thankful that I didn't go down the negative trail because I could have blown it up into something much, much bigger. Yeah. And so God really blessed. He blessed the obedience that I took. And, and, and that's the thing. When we walk in obedience, God blesses us. And then he gives us more authority and power to move to the next thing. So, you know what? Developing maturity is a lifelong process. And you can see the people that are developing maturity because they're flourishing in God. You can see God in them. You can see their joy. You can see their peace. And you can see their righteousness. And what's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. And so a good litmus test for how you're going in discovering your identity in God and being transformed into his image is ask someone, can you see God's righteousness in me? Can you see joy and peace in me? Can you see me flowing in the joy of the Holy Spirit? It could be a scary question to ask. Maybe go away for a while and work on it and then, and then ask someone. It's a challenge, isn't it? But if we want to grow deeper into the things of God, it, it's something we have to do. We have to make a conscious effort every day to renew our thinking, to pull down negative thoughts. If we're grumpy, to say, I know I'm grumpy, but this is not who I am. This is not the person I am. And then allow the Spirit of God to flow out of you. And sometimes it may take a bit of an effort. You might not feel like it, but you do it anyway because you know that that's who God has called you to be. So some of us get stuck in process. And I just want to finish off with a few examples we go through the process of our identity and transformation, and that is ongoing. But then we get to, to walk out our purpose and destiny as well. And some of us are stuck here in our purpose and destiny. And that was me, stuck in my purpose and destiny, because I wasn't doing the identity and the transformation. So that's the first thing. If you're not going through the process of identity and transformation, I know I'm saying it over and over again, but it's going to stick in your head, if you're not going through that process, then that's why you could be stuck in knowing where God's leading you and guiding you and, and the door that he wants to open for you because he wants to work on your character. He wants to, to work on who you are in him so that you've got longevity in the next step that you're not going to burn out. So that could be the, one of the reasons. Another reason is that you could be walking in disobedience. There could be something that God is talking to you about but you're not listening to it. 
you're doing everything else, but you're not listening to that one thing. Or it could be something that you're not believing for. You could have a fear of man. I struggled with that for a long time. Fear of man. So you don't want to step out into doing the next thing because there's a fear there, but you're not really recognising it. You know, we need people around us to show us and to lead us and to guide us as well, to reflect things to us. That's why we need to live in community and we need to have trusted friends who we can talk to and say, what do you see? Is there anything that you see that could be blocking me, that could be stopping me? We know that the people of the Israelites got stuck in the wilderness for such a long time through, through pure disobedience to God, through mistrust of God, through not uh, trusting him. They, they, had, he, they had seen so many miracles that God had done for them and when he actually took them to the promised land. Because when they came out of Egypt, from my understanding, it was only a three-day journey to the promised land. But he kept them going for two years because he wanted to do a work in them first. Because they'd come out of Egypt, but God had to get Egypt out of them. He had to get them out of the world system. He had to get them out of the, the old man thinking and, and get them into his kingdom thinking. So two years that they spent doing that. Then he took them to the promised land. But when they heard there were giants in the land, when they got the evil report from the ten spies and ignored the good report from the two spies, they didn't want to go in. They'd seen so many miracles from God and yet they would not trust him. And so God got angry with their disobedience and left them wandering in the desert for another 40 years. Now, I'm not saying that through disobedience that God's going to make you wander in a, in a desert for 40 years or be stuck for 40 years. But we just want to learn from their experience. So if there is something that is going on in your life that you know is not right, go to God with it. Repent and just say, God... Help me deal with this. This is not who I am. This is part of my old nature. I want to get rid of it once, once and for all. I don't want to wear those old clothes anymore. Another thing it could be is that God is preparing you for greater power. So you're stuck and you don't know why doors aren't opening for you. You don't know why you're moving ahead. But God's doing it. He's training you for something. You don't know what that is yet, but he's training you for something. He's... He wants to lead and guide you into some new things. And so he's leaving you in a place where he wants you to mix with different people, do different courses, whatever it is that God's got for you to do. Download things to you. Teach you things. So in, the, in that time, this is what, where David found himself. Because he was going to be anointed as king. Well, he was anointed as king. And he was, um, he, he was married. He was had a a career going in, the, in this kingdom. He, he'd slain Goliath. So he'd, he'd earned some stripes. He was doing something right. But then through, Paul's opposition, sorry, through Saul's opposition, he spent the next 13 years as a fugitive. So King Saul persecuted him, opposed him. But God used this time to perfect David's faith, his character and his leadership skills. For 13 years, David strengthened himself in the Lord. And we read that in scripture too. He, David didn't know how long it was going to take. He didn't know how long he'd be, be out there in the desert. But what he did was he meditated on God. He prayed, he worshipped, he strengthened himself in the Lord. When you don't know what to do in a season and God's got you in a place and you feel stuck and God knows you're not stuck. He's, there's a purpose and a plan for what he's doing there. But if, if God's got you in that season and you're not really sure what to do, go back to your identity. 
Go back to transforming yourself into the image of God. Go back into going deeper into the things of God. Meditate. Get revelation of the word. You know what? I'm talking about being stuck, but you actually never have to be stuck because if you don't know where you're going, you go back to God and say, show me, show me greater things in you. Show me the depth of yourself. Show me your wisdom. Show me your glory. They're the things that you can do if you're not sure where you're headed, if you're feeling stuck. We all know that David wrote psalms in that, that just show his heart for God and the hard work he did in going deep into the things of God. You know what it's like? It's like you're a plant planted in the ground and your roots are, are fairly shallow or they're, they're growing. Your roots are growing and you're being watered by the word of God. You're being watered by going, coming to church. You're being watered by other people's encouragement. But when you're in those places where you feel stuck and where it feels a bit dry, I believe that God then wants you to send your roots down really deep. And, and sometimes that can be hard work, getting really down deep, like trusting God, choosing, choosing to have the right attitudes. And your roots go down deep till they find that water table and that water table there. And, and then you never run out of the living water. Because you've reached that water table. And I think that's what David did. He reached the deep things in God. And so he was able to get through those 13 years. One of the things that he wrote, which encourages us, Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that's just not wait. Okay, well, I'll just wait until the next door opens. It's, it's waiting is actually meditating on God, digging deep into the things of God. And the encouraging thing is that through it all, when David emerged from the wilderness, he was mature in character, rich in the knowledge and love of God, full of the Spirit and ready to fulfill his calling. And so we want to do the same process. So when the door does open, we're ready and chafing at the bit to go because God's done the work in us that he needs to do. And one other thing that it could be that I want to talk today, it's probably many things, but these are just the things that I want to cover today, is God's timing. It may not be God's timing yet, and he's just got you in a holding pattern until things fall in place so that the timing is right. We think of, of Joseph when he was in prison and was unfairly jailed uh, because of Potiphar's wife. And before that, he was given authority over the household. He was looking after the household. And then Potiphar's wife, uh, through her own, through deceit, caused him to end up in jail. And I didn't think it was... When I was studying this, I thought it was only for two or three years he was in jail. But he was actually in prison for 10 to 13 years because he was 30 when he stood in front of, of Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And he was 17 when he went into slavery. So... That was 10 to 13 years that he was either in slavery or in prison. So remember when Joseph was in prison and the butler and the baker had a dream and he interpreted the dreams for them and then the butler said, he said to the butler, when you go out, tell Pharaoh what I've done, that I've interpreted your dream so that I'm, and tell him that I'm in here unfairly. And the butler never did. And so Joseph was in there for another two years. But Lance Wallnow, through studying his notes, suggests that Joseph was a prisoner of a prophetic promise. 
God did not answer Joseph's prayer for deliverance because the world at the time needed Joseph to stay where he was. During his time of slavery and the imprisonment, this noble young prophet was being trained and manoeuvred into a divine position of counselling, counselling the world's greatest power. He became prime minister to Pharaoh when he came out. And God had him there for a reason and for a season. If Joseph... If the timing wasn't right, then he wouldn't have been there at the right place at the right time to deliver his entire family from the famine. So it was a prophetic promise. He was a prisoner of a prophetic promise. You know, you may have had prophecies as well where God has told you in the past, even 10 years ago, where you're going or where you're going to be, and those prophecies haven't yet fulfilled. And this is where we can be feeling stuck, where we can become stuck. But you know, it's not a denial, it's a delay. It's God's timing in it. God's asking you to trust his timing, to keep looking to the horizon, to feed and meditate on his word, and to keep his promises held up in front of your eyes and his prophetic words, to declare them over yourself. Any prophetic words that you've been given, get them out again and look at them and declare them over yourself and say, God, this is what you've promised for me and I believe it and I declare it over myself now in Jesus' name that these things that you've said are going to come into fruition. Paul says to Timothy, So Timothy, my son, I am entrusting you with the responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now beginning to fulfill them in this great work of ministry. This is from the Passion Translation. Continue to use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience. You know, that's the exact opposite of what I did when I found myself stuck. I'd had prophetic words too and promises from God. And you know what I did? Oh God, it's just all too late. I've left it too late. It's not going to happen anymore. And maybe I still would have been stuck for another four or five years if I'd been praising and rejoicing God. I don't know. But the fact was, is that I was procrastinating over the whole thing that was happening and wasn't trusting God in what he was doing in my life until I realised that I had to go back to identity and transformation. And so I want to encourage all of you, if you're stuck in your purpose and identity, it could be that there is something wrong in your life that God wants you to deal with and wants you to look at. He actually gave me a picture during the week when I was preparing this message of somebody walking along, striving in their purpose and destiny, but there was this big elastic band behind them. So... They were still moving, but you know when you've got a big elastic band behind you and you're moving, but it's hard and it's hard to move. And this is what we do. We move in our purpose and destiny. We haven't dealt with our identity or gone deep enough in our identity and we're moving ahead and it's hard. But then God showed me that for some people, it's just one little thing that's holding you back. One little thing. It could be an attitude, a bad attitude. It, it could be pride. And you, you're not realising what it is, but it's holding you back and you're walking and, you, and you're fulfilling some of your purpose and destiny, but it's really hard. And then God showed me that when you deal with that one little thing, so it's just like slashing that elastic and breaking the elastic, you are just going to take off because the, the momentum that you've created in, in walking whatever's holding you back, once you deal with that, you're going to take off. So I know that that's 
for someone today that, that there is so much ahead for you, but go back. And I'm not saying be super introspective, and, but ask God, what is it, God, that's still holding me out? What can, I cha- what can I change? Is it as simple as an attitude? Is it as simple as pride? What is it? And I just want to encourage you every day, stay on the journey of being transformed into God's likeness because all creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. You know, God wants us to to become his image on the earth, to be Jesus on the earth and to advance his kingdom, to bring heaven to earth. And to be able to do that, each one of us needs to take the responsibility of becoming all that God created us to be. And I'm looking forward to that time and I'm seeing it, we see, we're seeing it now as we encourage one another in our journey. But I'm looking forward to that time when we really see God move in might and power through each one of us. There's no more, oh, well, that's them because they're really, really spiritual and God's doing something amazing in their life. But that's not who I am. That is who you are. You have the nature of God's spirit in you. You are saints by nature. And there is no excuse There is no excuse to not grow and change in God, but it's your choice and you have to desire it.